I have, I don't have ever preached on tough love before, but uh, um, it's a challenge for all of us. And so um, we're going to be having some sharing time today and communion today as well. So let's open with prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to be together as the body of Christ here at Northridge Community Church. Thank you for all the churches that are meeting today and worshiping you, Lord. And I just pray that you'll bless us today, that you'll uh, touch our hearts as we think about all you've done for us, the sacrifices you made for us on the cross. And, uh, and we, we're grateful for your resurrection, Lord, from the dead. We also pray that you'll bless our worship team as they lead us in worship songs today to focus on you and to point, point to you, Lord. And for the message and the communion we're going to have later on, we thank you for this time to be together. We are blessed to be here, and we're grateful, Lord, that you are in our midst. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, if you guys want to stand and sing. This first song is called Good Grace. Salvation is in this life. 
So this next song is a new one. It's called Gyra. And a lot of you guys might not know what Gyra means. Because we're singing to Gyra. And that's like, probably thinking that's probably some weird Jamaican stuff. Some Rasta <laughs> stuff. Because Jamaicans do actually talk about Jehovah Jireh a lot. It just means God the provider. That's what it means. God the provider. He provides for us. So the words in this next song, um, the chorus are, Jira, you're enough. Jira, you're enough. And the, bread, the bridge, it says, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know, I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved more than I can imagine. So Jehovah Jireh just means, God, you're, you're more than enough. And just saying Jira just means calling God provider. So our provider, you're more than enough. So that's what that means. Just 
announcements um we have uh free resources over there if you would like to check those out on the table um newsletters daily breads um if you'd like to do a devotional every day daily bread is a good way to do it um my boss is a christian so i put some uh at the front desk or the front counter at our work so um you could grab them for that or whatever you want we got new testaments over there um we also have an, our offering box, so you could, uh, uh, if you'd like to give to the church, uh, tithe or give gifts that way, you can, or also we use an app called Tithely, it's spelled T-I-T-H-E-L-Y, and just search for Northridge Community Church, Rockford, Illinois, you can give that week, or that way. So, other than that, it's Communion Sunday. So, if you're joining us on Facebook, and you would like to have communion with us, we would love that. So, please... Um, Grab something in a minute. Grab something now, actually, that represents the body and the blood of Christ. We know you probably don't have communion crackers and grape juice at your house. So you just pick something that would symbolize that 
and God can work mysteriously through those elements. Doesn't have to be bought from a church shop, right? right. So, all right. So, do you want to come on up and and yeah. we'll, let's do the communion? Start okay. start it up. This is a, a chance for us to kind of renew our, our relationship with the Lord, I kind of a, um, encourage people, encourage you to live your life for Christ, to remind you, thank you, Dan, appreciate that, to remind us that we need to stay close to the Lord and be grateful for all of his blessings. Thank you, Don. Thank you. So let's take a moment to just uh, bow our heads in prayer, thank the Lord for his death on, on the cross for us, the, the, his, his sacrifice for us, and then also um, to just recommit our hearts to serving him this, this month of June or at any time that we would serve him faithfully throughout this month. So let's just be silent for a moment. Lord, as we think of the month, month ahead, we are we uh, whether it be June or July, Lord, we we um, we commit our hearts to you. Uh, we we recommit our hearts to you. We thank you, Lord, for your the salvation we have because of your death on the cross. You're, you you you've paid the penalty of our sins, even though you never sinned. You paid for our sin, and so and then you rose from the grave victorious on the third day, and uh, now you have conquered sin and death and promised us heaven for those who are your followers. So, Lord, we're so grateful. We can never, we really can't even um, verbalize how grateful we are, Lord, for all you've done for us. We sing praises to you, and we pray to you. But, Lord, it's never quite enough to really let you know how much we're grateful. So we thank you for all of all that we have, uh, our relationship with you, salvation, eternal life, your Holy Spirit that indwells within us to give us wisdom and strength. Uh, the word of God, the body of Christ, to encourage each other, Lord, and the purpose for living, Lord, that we have because we know that we're here to share our faith in Christ with others. Let them know they can also have eternal life through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, thank you for these elements. We, I want to pray right now for the bread, Lord, and we, th we thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. I'm talking about the bread right now. It represents, it represents our, the Christ's body broken for us. It also represents the fact that Christ was human. He came to this earth and even though he was came from heaven and created the earth, it says that in John 1, but he also came in, in human form as a baby, Jesus. He lived 33 years in this earth. He lived a sinless life. He taught the most profound teachings of all time because they're from God. But he had to die for our sins. He had to pay the penalty. Because blood had to be shed for our sin. And so he, he, he was willing to let his blood be shed for our sin. And so we are humbled that, we're, that he broke his body for us. He was tortured and beaten beyond recognition, it says in Isaiah. But he did it for us. And so we just want to thank him for his broken body. He says, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it all. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for sacrificing your body for us. Amen. I always like to read a passage of, from Isaiah 53 before we take the cup because it's, it's so poetically written and, and beautiful um, and it's such a vivid description of what happened to Jesus, although it was written hundreds of years before he was even born so let's read this together he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one whom men hide their faces he was despised and we esteemed him not surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And we like sheep, all, all we like sheep have gone astray. 
we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before his shears, shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of the, of the people, that made, and they, they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death. Well, he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him, and he was put and put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for the guilt, he shall see the offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Lord, as we as we read your, your words spoken by the prophet Isaiah, we are just so overwhelmed by the plan that you had laid out before creation. And we see that you have been planning to give your son as a sacrifice, Lord, and we we, we thank you for the blood that Jesus spilled that is our salvation and our way into the kingdom of God. And Jesus, we just we take this cup, Lord, we pray for healing uh, because by your stripes, Isaiah says, by your stripes, we are healed. And so, Lord, we bring to you right now any psychological or emotional baggage that we have, Lord, we, we bring to you any physical ailment that we have right now to you, Lord. And we lay those at, at the foot of the cross and we ask you, Lord, that you would heal these things by your powerful flesh and by your blood because you did those things when you are on earth and you still do them now, Lord. So we ask for that healing today. And we ask for, uh, for your salvation, Lord, and we receive your salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for, for what you have done for us. We are eternally grateful, Lord. And we will cast our crowns to you one day when we are in heaven with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So please, take a drink. before we're going to talk about tough love today this is a, this is a difficult subject um, and there's not a lot of direct talk about this in the Bible but um, we're talking about God's amazing love next week we're talking about God's tender love we're having some special guests next week I have a, a man coming to uh, Joe Baranowski a friend from Chicago that's going to be uh, doing uh, is a Gideon he's going to be uh, sharing a Gideon presentation and we also have a friend named Bob McCann just lost his wife Barb back in um I guess it was the middle. Their daughter had their her thirtieth birthday. She has uh, severe injuries. Severe. Um, she's in a wheelchair for her whole life, and she had her her big birthday party on what the twentieth of February, and Barb then found out she had she has really bad kidneys, and then she also has COPD, and she died three weeks later. So we went to her funeral in the middle of March, and Bob wanted to share a testimony. Bob is just a godly guy. He's such a great guy. And he wants to come and share. He's going to bring Colleen with him. And Colleen makes a lot of noise. She's just such, got so much joy. She loves our family, too. So she'll be here, I believe. And uh, so he'll be sharing a testimony next Sunday as well. Um, but we're talking about tough love. And um, when you hear the word tough love, what is that? What, what are the first things that you think of when you hear about that, that word? Anybody have a thought on that? Pardon? Parent discipline their children, yeah, that's part of tough love. Okay, you said you would raise your hand. Yeah, sort of think that it's an action that you give that you think people will not like you for it, but it's for someone else's benefit. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's not you're not popular by doing it, but it's sometimes very necessary, right? So, so uh, I want to read um, 
couple scripture verses here. This is Hebrews. This is an unusual scripture. That's one I don't like to read because it talks about God disciplining us. If you look at Hebrews chapter 12, there's a lot we've heard read in, in, in um, Hebrews before, but this is, this is different, and I want to read this to you right now. This is verse, uh, starting with verse 5. It says, My son, do not... Uh, this is Hebrews 12, starting with verse 5. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he re- rebukes you, because the Lord's disciplines the ones he loves, and he ch- chastens everyone he accepts as his sons. In other words, when you are disciplined, you should be praising God. I know it sounds ironic, but because God loves you enough that he wants to di- you discipline someone you care for. You want them to be better. You want them to improve. And so you just so like a parent disciplines their child, God disciplines us. We're his children. Okay? Then it says, endure hardship as dis- as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what shall- children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate not true sons and daughters of God. Moreover, we have all had humans, fathers, who disciplined us, and, res- and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father in spite, in spirit and life? They disciplined us for a while so that as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I listen to a lot of messages. I look at a lot of commentaries when I prepare for a message, and I found something I've never seen before. And I'm still not sure about this guy, but I liked what he said. And it's, I, you can look it up on YouTube. It's, it's called Dry Creek Wrangler School, Dry Creek Wrangler School. And this is this kind of big, got a big beard and a cowboy hat. He's got a big cigar in his hand, and he just talks about things. And I, I, I think he might be a mission, might have been a missionary. He was in Africa, serving there, and it's, it's still haven't quite. But he has a lot of these uh, things on YouTube that talk about, you know, things that that are kind of biblical in nature. And he talked about tough love. And, and he talked about a, a little, he said when he was a little kid, his grandma would raise chickens in, in their house in a box, and they'd put a, a, like a heat lamp on them so they would have enough energy. Well, my, we were at our Katie and Alice's yesterday, and they had a bunch of chickens outside, like about 15 or so, and they gave away a bunch of chickens to people that wanted to bring them home and have their own little chicks. Huh? What's that? She took a bunch of chickens yesterday. They're peeping out there, and they grow really fast. And a lot of people now have chickens at their house. We even rented a house in Appleton, Wisconsin, and uh, the people had a big chicken, a, a big thing, a, a pen put up, you know, and uh, with about, I don't know, 12 chickens in there. Remember that? And it was kind of interesting. But anyway, the point is when a chicken is trying to break out of the egg, if you try to help them out and open the egg up, it'll kill the chicken. Why do you think that is? Because the way, the, the very fact they got to fight their way out of the egg, it, it gets their blood flowing, and it gets their strength and their muscle, and they grow through breaking out of the egg. And if you try to help them, the, the, the chicken will die. They have to go through that struggle in order to live. You ever watched, we, we love a show called Heartland. It's a Canadian uh, western and we've been, there's actually, I think, 15 or 16 seasons of it. It's a nice, clean show, but it's got a, a lot of horses. It's a horse ranch. And they have, sometimes they'll have a, a baby foal, a little horse foal. And you've, you've seen little, a little foal come out of the mother horse, and it's like really rickety, you know, it's all, it's all look, get gunk all over it. And if you, don't, if you don't allow that horse to struggle to jump up finally and walk, then it's not going to make it. You have to allow that, that, that little foal to struggle to get up for that thing to be able to have enough strength to make it in life. One more example. You go up by where Dan and Karen uh, have a place up in Manaqua, and you'll see these giant, 
these giant eagle nests that usually sometimes are on telephone poles up there. I remember seeing those. Um, and and they, they have baby eagles. And you know what they do with that baby eagle? The mother kicks it out of the nest. And, and, if, it, and if it doesn't learn to fly, it's going to die. It's kind of a rhyme there. If it doesn't, if it doesn't like, oh, I better start flying, you know, get its strength, then it's not going to make it. Survival of the fittest. You have to let that eagle, the baby eagle out of the eaglet out of there. Otherwise, it's not going to make it. It's got to be able to learn to survive. So those are just three examples from nature of how we have to allow that struggle to happen. Okay. Does anybody have a comment so far? Any thoughts on this before I get into more scripture on this? of what you've seen, the struggles you see. Sometimes we, we want to help people. I'm a, I'm a helper. I'm a natural. Um, I'm always trying to help people, but maybe sometimes I help them too much. And that's my point. Clyde? Uh, you were talking about survival of the fittest. A lot of times the weakest animal in a herd will be towards the outside, and predators will run it down because it can't move as fast as... Uh, one. It's sad to see. It's sad to see, but they do. They 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 lag behind because they're not as strong, and then they get killed. Yeah, Don. Enabling. Yeah. I was at the bank yesterday at about 11.15 or so, and a lady was there, and she overheard my conversation with some of the people in the bank, and I think she thought, well, this is a nice guy or something. And then as she almost left, and she said, can I talk to you a second? And she, I said, sure, and I knew it was coming. She said, I just had chemotherapy, and I really need money. And I said, ma'am, I'm not going to help you financially. Oh, okay. And then she walked out. But she was... She was looking for me, and, and I've heard these stories before, and I don't mean to be cynical, but I've probably heard this, these kind of stories more than most people because every church I've worked at, I've been the person that gave out money and helped people out. I mean, a lot, a lot. And um, a lot of people are manipulating and using that, and they have a story. I had a girl came out in the same situation. A kind of attractive young lady said to me, excuse me, my son ran out of gas. And I, she said, and, 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 and I said, listen, Ma'am, you told me this story before, the exact same story before. She said, I have? I said, yes, you have. I said, this, and it's not true. Because when I wanted to give you help, and he, you wouldn't even take it. You wanted to only had cash. You wanted cash. When I was going to get this guy gas, you wouldn't even take the, the gas, which makes no sense at all. If it doesn't follow your story, your story's not very good. And I'm not going to help you now. She says, okay. I said, plus you're, so, you're smoking a cigarette. I said, cigarette. So I said, cigarettes cost seven, eight dollars a pack now. If you can smoke cigarettes, you must not be in too bad a shape, you know. And she didn't know how to respond to that one. Sometimes you gotta. That's kind of tough love, kind of tough love in that situation. All right. So anyway, a couple thoughts here about tough love. The key point is this: first of all, God always has our best interest in mind. You ever had something happen where you didn't get what you wanted from God? You're a little bitter. Like, why didn't that happen? I tried my best. I tried to be a good Christian. I tried to live for you, Lord. Why didn't you give me what I wanted? Well, you know, God doesn't always have to say yes. The very fact that you ask a question, the very fact that you ask a question presupposes that people have options. Otherwise, you just tell them you got to do it. God, do this. He's not your magic genie. He doesn't always give you what you want. He, you, you know, the fact that you ask God, his three options. Actually, I heard one say, Rick Warren said this one. He said, the, first of all, he can say yes. Secondly, he can say no. Thirdly, he can say wait. Fourthly, he can say, you've got to be kidding. Really? You're asking that question? You need a Maserati to go do church calls? Um, so, I mean, so the point I'm making is God can say no. Sometimes God says no for the, or maybe he says, wait, you're not ready for this yet. You're not ready for this yet. So God always has our best interests in mind. Okay? The second point is this. Sometimes helping somebody who is struggling is, the, is not the right thing to do. 
That's really hard for me. That's really hard for me with my personality. Okay? Um, question is this. Am I helping this person because they really need my help? Because I don't want to see them going through a struggle. I've got a young guy I've worked with since he was seven years old. Eight years old. Eight years old. Now he's 20, over 22. He's going through a hard time right now. It's a difficult situation, and I'm really struggling because I, I want to help him, but I'm not sure. I have a check in my spirit. You ever had a check in your spirit where, like, I, I'm not feeling peace about this, and I, I think right now i got to let him struggle. I think right now i got to let this guy have a struggle and, and not try to bail him out. That's my sense right now, is I need, I need to, to let him go through this himself right now. I'll be there if he needs me, but I'm not going to just keep and just kind of be there at all times like I've been in the past. It's a hard thing for me. Does anybody else here struggle with that? Does anybody else ever here struggle that when you want to help people, but you know maybe you shouldn't help them? Mike, okay, you've been there, right? Um, so a couple more thoughts here. Um, does the person need comfort or do they just want your attention? You know, if you start helping people, and again, I'm a, I'm a helper by nature, then people will expect you to help them all the time. They'll want you to be there for them. But you can't always say yes. Don. I think sometimes it's easier to help people you don't know because you don't know all the backgrounds. You don't know what's going on in their life. And therefore, you don't have all the, well, should I or shouldn't I? You just don't. Yeah, yeah. And you've probably been taken a few times, you know. I'm going to read something out of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Um, listen to what it says here. Ephesians is such a great book. There's, something, there's always something in there that you can learn from. It says, it says this. It says, um, God, it started with God equips the people for works of service, service through apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What do you, how would you define maturity? How would you define spiritual maturity? I'm asking that ask the question to you right now. How do you know when you've reached a certain level of spiritual maturity? Clyde? That's a good answer. Yeah, when you start, when your life starts aligning with the will of God, Carrie and then Don. Carrie? They have patience, uh, great sense of patience, and they're able to listen more and sit still and just listen to what God is saying. You're more patient and you listen to the Lord. You're more careful to listen to the Lord. Yeah, okay. You know, you don't, and somebody else had a. Uh, Don, you had one? Okay. That's a good. That's a really good answer. Yeah, you're willing to do what God wants you to do, and not what you want to do. Because they don't. They're not always in alignment, are they? They're not always in alignment. You might want something, but God doesn't want you to have it. You know, that's a tough one. Okay. Then it goes on to say this. Then we will no longer be like infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, listen to this. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Speaking through the love, we, may, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. For from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know what? Um, I remember a situation vividly when I was in high school, back at Temple Baptist Church. And a guy, I'm not going to say his name, but a guy that was a, one of my teachers, he said, Jeff, get him over here. He got me in a side room. I thought, what's this all about? He goes, I, you're hanging around somebody right now that I don't think is, gonna, is not, the best, not the best situation for you. And I hate to say this, but I think you need to separate yourself a while. 
So I'm just challenging you to think about this, and I think you need to back off in this relationship for a while and then go back to it later on. Well, at first of all, I thought, well, who are you to tell me that, you know? But then I realized this guy loved me, and he was probably right. So I did take a break from this certain relationship, and then I came back to it later on in a different, in a different light. It, it, I'd, I'd grown up, and the person understood. I didn't have to say anything. The person got it. They knew that they were pushing the envelope in our relationship, and they backed off after that. We were, we'd been friends a long time. So the point is, tough love is telling someone the truth, speaking the truth in love. You've got to tell the truth sometime. You've got to let someone know that, that um, they're not going the right direction. I love uh, the, the, he just passed away, but I love Gordon Lightfoot, the singer from Canada. I really enjoy his music. But Gordon got really, uh, he was raised in a church. His first time he sang was in a, in a I think, a Lutheran church up in uh, central uh, Canada. And then he got popular and got on TV shows and things like that. And then he got really wild. He went out to Los Angeles, started partying big time, got really, you know, drinking a lot, smoking a lot, partying a lot. And his sister, his older sister, said, Gord, if you don't quit drinking, you're going to kill yourself. If you don't quit drinking right now, you're going to kill yourself. Now, the guy was drinking probably a pint of vodka a day. I'm just assuming at least, at least that much. You know what? He knew she was right. This is his big sister. She was also his manager, and he just quit. He totally quit drinking. Immediately went back up to Canada, got canoeing, got in got a better shape, and changed his whole life. It literally changed the trajectory of his entire life. Because, because his sister said, you're going to kill yourself if you keep doing this. And he knew she was right. That was tough love. It was spoke, but she spoke the truth in love. She loved him. And she wanted the best for him. So we need to be able to pray about that. There's a couple more things here. Um, Sometimes, I've mentioned this before, the best thing you do is don't coddle somebody. Don't let them hit the, you've got to let them hit the wall sometime. Somebody, why does somebody sometimes have to hit the wall? Why do they got to hit bottom sometime? Why do you think that is? Mike. It's got to be a wake-up call. It's got to be a wake-up call. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, sometimes, sometimes you have to let the person fall and, and hit bottom so they'll realize, I've got to pick myself up. I've got to move forward. I've got to be strong. Um, sometimes we need to, this, this is what this guy said, this Dry Creek, um, dry creek uh, Wrangler. He said, sometimes you've got to let, force people to cowboy up to cowboy up and solve their own problems by themselves. Okay, now, I got a story to tell you. Um, I, don't, I, remember, I can't remember what year it was, but we're sitting there in bed, and we got a heard of the knock at the front door. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. And, and uh, the only ones home were me and Ann and Mike. And this guy named John Bross came in the house. I'm tempted to have you come up here. <laughs> and, and so John Bross says, Mr. Hansen, we got a problem. I said, yeah, we got a problem. You woke me up. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. He said, no, the problem is that our band is leaving on tour right now, and our merch guy, merchandise guy just quit on us, and we need to have your son Michael go with us right now on this tour. I said, well, how long are you going to be gone? He said, a long time, like two months. I said, really? He said, yeah, we need him right now. We're going right our first stop. I don't know, it's Ohio or something like that. I said, um... Well, and I looked at Anna. We didn't know what to say. And then Mike said, well, I said, what do you say? Well, I'd kind of like to do it, Dad. And, and I'm like, uh, and he said, we'll, we'll take good care of him. We'll take good care of him. He'll be safe with us. I didn't ever, I never even knew John Bross before that. You know, how, so how did I know he was telling the truth? So, Mike, I want you to know how to give your perspective on this. I, I've never really talked about it. And, I, and you know what? To our shock. Now, now let, me, let me explain. Matt had a terrible fall. Matt had, Mike had taken a semester off school to go have people pray for Matt when we thought he would, might not make it. And Mike went out to every church around here and asked people to pray for Matt. So that was a real traumatic experience in Mike's life, his brother having that injury. 
And so it kind of took him out of the mood for college a little bit at the time, you know, and, and so he was struggling at Rock Valley. And I don't know, I, we didn't think that all through, honestly. We just said, so Ann and I said, well, do you want to go? He says, I want to go. I said, okay, we're going to let him go. So he packed up his bag in like 10 minutes, and off he goes. Hey, what? 19, 20? Were you 20? And you were gone for how many years with the band? Seven years? Six, seven years with the band. Okay. Were you shocked when we said yes? <laughs> Did you want us to say no? So what did that, so in the synopsis, was that, did that force you to kind of cowboy up? Okay, well, anyway, that was our, that's kind of our, I don't know if I call it tough love, but it was one of those things where I thought, you know what, I think in my heart I thought, you know, maybe Mike needs this. Maybe this is something that God, it seemed like it was a God thing. And we wouldn't usually, we're pretty conservative parents, but it seemed like it was the right thing to do in that situation. So we just trusted the Lord, put him in the, in his, in the Lord's hands and let him go. You know, so sometimes you've got to let people grow up and struggle and, and make mistakes, but, you know, I think there's no doubt Mike's the better for it. There's no doubt in my mind now that you're better for what, what happened in your life. We're grateful for that now. So as we close here, um, Pray about how you help situations. Does anybody have a situation right now where you, you, you might need to have to display some tough love with anybody? I've got my situation right now with this one young man. Does anybody, I don't, you don't have to raise your hands, but is there anybody you need to talk to right now? Is there anybody you need to be honest with and let them know that maybe they're not going the right direction? Now, I know it's always hard because you can create a lot of bitterness if you say it the wrong way. But if you speak the truth in love, and God gives you the right words, you might have to change a relationship. You know, sometimes you might have to eliminate a relationship. Sometimes someone's not good for you. Sometimes somebody is going to bring you down the wrong path. You might have to say, you know what, I still love you, but I, I can't have this relationship with you right now because it's, it's just not working. It's, I'm not talking about a romantic relationship per se. I'm saying sometimes people just aren't good for you. You need to get out of that situation. So I asked, I just realized that God wants you to make important decisions. He asks us every day, are we going to live for you? Are we going to live for Christ or are we going to live for ourselves? That's the question we have to ask ourselves every day. Are we willing to live for Christ? Are we willing to, are we willing to, to, to suffer and to sacrifice for other people in order to glorify God? And that doesn't mean you always, obviously it doesn't mean you always get your way. You don't always get you know, um, exactly what you want, but maybe there's actually a song by the Rolling Stones that actually has a, has a, actually kind of fits here. You can't always get what you want, you know, but, you know, you get what you need. God gives us what we need. We need, we need to trust in the Lord. And you don't get instant gratification in this world. And when you do, it probably isn't always good, you know. So I just want to challenge you to ask God, is there anybody I need to talk to? Anybody I need to challenge 
and to tell him I love him. I love you enough to tell you this, even though it hurts. I need to tell you this right now. I want to challenge you to do that. So I don't know. I don't know your situation. I haven't been reading your mail or your email, but I would figure in a group like this here, there are probably people that need to talk to somebody. Let them know you care for them, but you need to. That they need to make some decisions in their life. Like I need to talk to this one person right now. Let them know that they need to make some important decisions in their life. Uh, for you out on in Facebook, I want to thank you for for joining us, and I pray that you have given your life to Christ. And I, I pray that you can, you, you can pray that prayer even right now, Lord Jesus, I want you to be in my life. I want you to forgive me of my sins. And I want to live my life from this day forward. I want to please you and honor you with my life. So, Lord, thank you for giving me salvation through your, through your son. And I want to now live my life to please you for the rest of my life. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. God bless you and have a great week.